Hi everybody, this is Mikey D. Welcome to my stoop. There once was a small American town, and although it sat in the forgotten corner of a giant city, it was much like any other small community around America. Everyone knew everyone else's name and everyone's business. Instead of a stream or a brook, we had the fire hydrant. We didn't have farmer's markets, but we did have a well-stocked bodega. And rather than sitting on the front porch to watch the little world fall by, we sat on our stoops. You know, it seems like an ancient time, like it was some lost city. It was like I had watched it all from the stoops of Atlantis. Hey everybody, it's Mikey D here, and it's time for another walking tour of East Harlem back in the day. So we're not walking up there now or today or yesterday. We're going to go back in a time machine. And yeah, we'll probably go back in this, into this back into the 70s when I was pretty young, when I was a little kid. Uh, see how much I can remember. There was there's certain distinct locations. And we're going to be heading west from my building. So from, from 118th Street, my, my building, going to turn west. And uh, we're going to take a look there right on the right immediately. We remember Charlie Ding Ding. I mentioned him Numerous times, uh, this is where Charlie and his mother Mary lived, and a dog, Corky, who uh, chased us sometimes out in the yard. He's a cute mutt of a dog, scrappy dog. And as we continue, we now come to the who I call the bird lady or the whisper lady. Uh, <laughs> she was uh, Her name was Christine. She was an old an old woman who had a, uh, a bird, a small little parakeet, and uh, never really talked, but she would talk to it, but she would... She would whisper to my father over the fences in the backyard and my father would always get annoyed the heck out of her by saying what i can't hear you what are you saying and she was trying to gossip so she would whisper her gossipings and he would yell out for her to speak up and she'd wave him off like no 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 don't do that Shh, i got secrets to tell i've got dirt to spill anyway we continue on now there's a getting a whiff in the air of, of, of cat pee well you know i love cats and uh so did Mr. Pete, Pete the Cat Man. There's a whole episode uh, about cats and about Pete. Pete was an old, an old eccentric man uh, who owned the building, uh, so he had some cash, I guess, or at least he had some. So he had some real estate, and uh, the building was a mess. Uh, and he's the only guy that lived in it at the time. It's been he sold it, or it was sold since, and uh, a couple from Israel came in probably 20 years ago, and they fixed the place up really nice. But back then, it was a wreck. I don't even know if anyone lived on the upper floors, but but it reeked of cat pee. It was boarded up windows. The backyard was a mess. Uh, but he had a lot of cats, and he cared about the cats. And he Pete would walk up and down the block with a shopping cart of stuff. But he always had lots of cat food because uh, he fed all his all his kitties, and he must have had twenty cats. Uh, and me and my sisters would name them back then. I don't know. I don't even know if Pete Pete named some of them. I guess, but I don't recall his names. I just remember our names. And we got a lot of the names from a book, a, a children's book called Jenny Winsky or The Adventures of Jenny Winsky. And uh, we would, you know, use those names. Uh, though there was one rot named Rocky and one named Pumpkin, which I think Pete did name. Uh, but we would name There was Jenny Winsky, there was Romulus and Remus, there was uh, oh, a whole bunch of, bunch of cats. And uh, it was those, that was the era of the backyard cat. There were no squirrels back then. No, maybe they hadn't evolved yet whatever there was just cats and uh I, I you know i'm a cat guy i love them all so let's continue on uh 
across the street, of course, is the big white building where there's always all kinds of trouble from in that building. And uh, we, as we continue west, I'm going to cross over and we're going to come to the plumber, Whitey the plumber's house. Uh, I've talked about him in the past. He was a character. And uh, it would be, he was a fireworks salesman. And you know, as a kid, boy, did I love hanging around there because I couldn't wait to see his fireworks. Uh, as I got a little older, I would buy fireworks and uh, help him uh, light up the night on July 4th. And I have an episode there, Mikey Boom Boom. If you go back, you hear all about the, the fireworks of East Harlem, which were infamous and amazing. And now everybody just complains about fireworks. Oh, well. Continuing on, uh, we, oh, let's come to... Actually, across the street, there's a woman. I didn't know her back. I don't think she lived... She didn't live back in the neighborhood back then. She moved in, I guess, in the maybe in the 80s, the late 80s. And she taught. She teaches violin. In fact, there was a movie made about her life. And Meryl Streep played her. So that's pretty cool. And she still lives, I'm pretty sure she still lives on the block. Uh, now, back where, where I, we are right now, which is like in the, in the 70s, she wasn't there yet. But I'm, I'm peering into the crystal ball and telling you what's coming up. Uh, let's see what else was there. There was also a, a girl in my class named Mia who lived in that, that house. And I remember, I'll never forget, I think I was in seventh grade. Uh, she, had, she was having a party, and I was invited, and I didn't, I didn't want to go. I was kind of shy. And uh, my friend Scott said, oh, yeah, I'm going too, so why don't we go? So uh, he, I was, I don't know, if Scott's going, I'll go with him. You know, he's at least have somebody to hang with. And, as, and I noticed he doesn't have a shirt on. It's summer, and he has no shirt on. I'm like, he's going to a party with no shirt? But if Scott, who the hell knows? He may, Maybe he would do that. So we, we get up to the doorway. I ring the doorbell. The door opens. Mia lets me in, and Scott turned and ran off. So he had pulled a prank on me. He wanted to get me to the party, uh, but he didn't want to go. I don't even think he was invited. But anyway, it was actually ended up being a, a pretty fun party. I remember, remember actually dancing. I, I broke through my shyness. Anyway, let's uh, continue on. There was next door was a kid named Peter who used to wear a sock on his hand when he got mad. I, I don't know what that's about, but I guess the kid had some troubles, which was sad. But uh, yeah, he used to wear a sock on his hand when he when he got angry. Crossing the well before we cross the street, let's let's hit the corner. Because there was at one time on the corner of 118th and 1st was an old man's bar. And I believe it was owned by our friend Christopher and Jennifer's grandfather. Now, if he didn't own it, he was definitely a bartender there, worked there. But he may have owned it. And I remember as a little kid, when walking home from Sloan's supermarket on 1st Avenue with my mother, I was always curious about this bar. I guess I knew in the future to look in the crystal ball, I was going to become a barfly. But... I would peek in and I'd want to see what was going on because it was one of those old bars with the dark windows and, you know, the little small windows where no one could peer in. You know, it's back when, you know, serious drinkers, you know, these guys drank from morning to night. I guess they didn't want uh, anyone to know who they were. But one day I decided I was going to just run in. And I did. And I just broke loose from my mother, ran into the door. And I could just, I could still smell the beer and the cigarettes in the air. And I was at the time a little kid and I was so I was below the height of the bar and I remember just running by legs of guys on stools yelling at me, hey get the hell out of here and I ran across the bar and then the on the other side of the bar was another door that led to 118th street so there was sort of like a back door and I knew instinctively that that door was there and I ran it to it and ran out so I got my little peek at the bar I didn't see much I just remember seeing legs and 
dark, darkly lit, snowy floors and cigarette smoke in the air. But those were the days. If you cross the street, now if you look across First Avenue uh, at that time, and by the way, there was a divider, an island in the middle of First Avenue back then, because First Avenue, I guess at one time, was a two-way street. But it was it was one way when I was a kid. It, you know, it had been changed to a one-way avenue. But there was these there were these islands that ran down uh, the center of First Avenue, and those were removed, I guess, in the mid '80s when they repaved uh, when the mafia was running the, the uh, con- concrete industry, and they repaved the entire length of First Avenue with cement. Must have been a huge contract. Not a bad idea though, because there were no potholes. But if you look anyway, if you look across First Avenue, there was Matt Brothers, which was a, an old Italian supermarket. And on Saturdays, I know my, I would go with my dad. We, he would always get cold cuts there. That was one of the numerous places in East Harlem to get good Italian cold cuts. Uh, it was a regular supermarket as well. But the deli was in the back, and I was I could just still see the place, still smell it. it had the smell of cheese, you know, that Italian hard cheeses. Just great smell. So that was Math Brothers. And across the street, again, if we go back, you're going to come to Rex's Icy Store. Now, you've heard much about Rex and his mother and his crazy store with his video games and his bare minimalist uh, design and his sign to sell donuts that he never had. That was Rex's. And Rex actually moved. There was there were two stores side by side. And at one point, he moved into the other location for some reason and then moved back to the corner spot. Can't tell you what year that was, but I think it was maybe just for a year or so. I maybe lost the lease and got it back. I don't know. I never did know why he did that. Next to that, that, that there, was a, there was a storefront. Now, this is really going back to my childhood. Uh, I don't know what the place was, but it was like an open source type space to use for whatever and my dad taught there he was using it as a little electronics school or maybe it was an electronics school and he was he taught there some nights uh, basic electronics to anybody who wanted to learn such a trade uh, that's a real vague memory but I, I'm going to have to ask him about that see if he remembers uh, opposite this place on the other side of First Avenue is the famous Patsy's Pizzeria Still there, still has one of the only coal ovens, only only coal pizza ovens in the city. I think there's one in Brooklyn, and uh, unfortunately, the pizza today is just not as good as it was when I was a kid. It's very, it's a sloppy mess. They don't cook it enough. I don't know what's going on. People, it's, it's an art form to make pizza, and not everyone's an artist. But but that's Patsy's Pizza, and Sinatra would visit there and had visited there a couple of times. My sister was actually in there with her friend, who was a, a chef at Patsy's. And Sinatra gave her and her friend his leftover pizza. There's the slices he had left. That's pretty cool. So she had a slice from old Blue Eyes. And we're going to walk out of Patsy's now and we're going to go, let's see, let's cross first again, go back to the east side of First Avenue. You're going to walk by the gas station there. It's been there forever. And if you cross 117 on the corner, well, it's V's clothing store. Now, you know those old Italian lady house dresses that every old Italian aunt and grandmother wear? Well, V, v was the Armani, the Gucci, the Versace of, of old ladies' finer wear. My Aunt Edie used to shop there. I don't know if they had a, they should have had a runway model show there. That would have been pretty funny. Get the, all the old ladies in the neighborhood doing their little runway walks, showing off their flowery or butterfly-encrusted, 
house dresses. And their stockings rolled around their ankle. Anyway, let's continue now. Uh, we've walked by here. We're going to pass uh, another pretty famous location, a Shoney's drugstore. Now, a Shoney's was an old school drugstore. I, I don't even know how long it's been there. But it was a, a staple for all your pharmaceutical basics. Uh, but the thing that I loved that they had there, uh, and, and this was the only store in the neighborhood where you could get Royal Crown Sour Candy. It was my favorite. They had the lemon and the cherry, and then they had the mix pack. Uh, the cherry was my favorite, but they were all great. And Shoney's was like the only place in, in the entire neighborhood that sold uh, these, these Royal Crown Sours, which I've recently found on Amazon, but they don't taste as good. They're not as sour. I don't know. Maybe it's just my memory. Everything's seen better when you're a kid. Well, some things. Yeah, and there was actually one other thing that I that I bought there. They had a, they had a rack of old sunglasses that was just stuck up on top of a shelf somewhere collecting dust. Literally, no one bought these. These were around since it had to be the 60s. And they were funky-looking, you know, very 60s, funkadelic sunglasses. But I was going to a Devo concert. It was the first Devo concert in Central Park. This was like 1981, 82. And they had this pair of these, these orange wraparound bug-eyed type sunglasses that were just perfect for Devo. And I saw I always saw these, these sunglasses just in, in passing when I'm on my way buying sour candy. But now I know I was I was like, yeah, I've got to buy that pair of sunglasses. So I bought the orange pair and I wore them. I wore them at the concert. I'll, I'll post a photo of uh, me and my me and Scott in our Devo, our Devo outfits at that concert, which was a, a blast. Anyway, so we come out of a Shoney's and uh, we're going to head continue heading downtown. And on the corner is another very famous location that we all miss was Delightfuls. It was a uh, diner, classic, your classic diner, burgers, burger deluxes, grilled cheese, milkshakes. It's now a Dunkin' Donuts. But for many, many years, Delightful was where people hung, uh, fam- you know, normal people and some infamous folk as well. Uh, would, would go there. There was always a police car parked outside. I guess the cops would buy their lunch there or their donuts, whatever. But anyway, it was a yeah, it was a it was a cool place. Now we're standing on the corner of 116th Street and First Avenue. Now we could go a few different directions, but I, maybe I'll just stand here and I'll point out some things. If I point east, there was a strange store. It was a I don't know describe. I don't know if it was ever even open. I never. It was a store that sold. Like flavor pack, like uh, uh, baker's equipment or baker's flavor flavorings and uh, extracts, you know, flavorful extracts and things. And it, it had all those like old fashioned glassware stuff in the windows. And uh, I never knew what it was. As a kid, I was, it always kind of baffled me what this place was. Uh, I don't even remember it ever being open, but that's long, long gone if, you, if you're standing in the year 2021. But back in the 70s, it was there doing whatever it did. Down further, well, this when I passed my Aunt Anne's uh, building where my cousin Joe lives, but there was a bakery. Uh, I believe it was the DeRosa Bakery, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's where it was. And, uh, you know, one of those Italian bakeries, bakers in the neighborhood that just, another one that just vanished into the ether. And there were rumors, now I don't know if this is true. Uh, I believe my father mentioned this, but across the street, which, uh, and there's a parking lot there now, and there was a parking lot there when I was a kid, and there's always been a parking lot as far as I remember. But apparently there was a movie theater there. Uh, I have to confirm that, if that actually, if there was a, anybody know of a, anybody from the old neighborhood who remembers a movie theater 
on between 160, not, not the Cosmo, that was up on between 3rd and Wax. But this, this, there was a theater apparently on, a one eight, on 116 east of 1st Avenue, on the south side of the avenue, where the parking lot is. Anyone knows about that? Please post something on the Facebook page, because I am curious. And if you have photos, even better. If you have photos of any of these things back in the day, please post them, because it's, it's always fun to see photos of that era, uh, just how everything, how different everything looks. People with different cars, everything. everything. So uh, I don't, I'll see if I have any. I'm sure I have something. Uh, but yeah, post them if you have Post them if you got them. All right, there. Chisel chest. All right, we're going to now uh, let's continue across on 16. And there's, well, what, there's Shelly's. Shelly's was a, a great store. As a kid, I loved it because there was a good toy section. It was primarily, uh, I guess I didn't call it a hardware store, but it was more than that. It was more of like a rainbow, like a like a like rainbow store, uh, which has a, everything household needs, sort of like Woolworth. But it was a small store. It was a local, uh, you know, mom and pop type operation. But uh, but they were, if you in the last aisle when you walked in was that row of toys, and I would love to go there, especially if my aunt Didi was there because she would buy me a toy usually, uh, my aunt Anne or my aunt Didi. But but Shelley's was great because they you know had that nice little toy section and then sold all the crap that you needed around the house light bulbs and curtain rods and that kind of stuff. Anyway, out the door we go and we're on on sixteen. Now if you look, if you would have continued downtown, there was a Chinese restaurant there that we used to order food from all the time. I have no idea what it was called, but I know it had like a I remember like a chrome exterior, like that sixties style, and it was your basic Chinese. Basic Chinese store. We have to have one in every neighborhood, and uh, we would order in, water in sometimes. Order in or order out. Order out. Uh, and occasionally we ate in there, not very often. Uh, across the street are a couple of three great locations. First was Centarpia Liquor Store, big big giant liquor store on the corner. A big dude. I remember the big fat dude behind the counter. He's intimidating. And I would go there with my dad when he would you know pick up wine or something. And out. And if you step outside and turn, actually if you. Let's go uptown for a second. I, I passed another important spot. On the corner of 116, on the uh, southwest corner, was Andy's Colonial Tavern, which I've never eaten there, but my dad told me it was the food was... Oops, I just banged the mic. The, um, he said that the food was very, very good. Uh, it, was, it, it, it had the chef from Rayo's. Uh, I think the, the, the one of the chefs had left Rayo's and, and either started this restaurant or just worked for them. But it's Andy's Colonial Tavern, which is no longer there. All right, let's, let's uh, spin around. Let's go back. Let's, let's head downtown because on this side of the street, we have a couple more cool place, key places of, the, of that era, of this era. Because remember, I'm, I'm there right now, actually, walking down the street in the 1970s. Look at all the bell bottoms go by. Anyway, there was the Lot de Jean. Now, for you uninitiated or don't know what a lot the gene is it's a store where they where that smells like feet no it's got a lot of cheese it's all the big cheeses hanging on the ceiling they sell all the great cold cuts the big barrels of olives uh that was the place to go and hey they gotta go to the lot the gene to buy us some uh cheese and even get some pepperoni so anyways yeah so you it was great. It was this is where all the great cold cuts came from. All the goods you got a good sandwich. Now they didn't have the bread. Now I'm going to tell you about the bread place in a second. But the Lotta Jean was was a classic. Uh, it was just such a classic Italian place in the neighborhood. I mean that's that's it's that classic Italian deli. It's like Disneyland for Italians. You know this is where you go. 
And let's see. So I can just I can still smell the place. It smelled great. I wish I had some of those cold cuts right now. And the bread. Now the bread, which was uh, around the corner, 116, was Maroni's bread. Now that's the best bread ever. Uh, they used a uh, semolina flour, I think. So it had a a bit more of a, almost like a tint of orange to it, and it was a dense, good crust. I mean, that's what bread is missing these days, that good crust. And the se- sesame seed loaf uh, with, a, for, for, with an eggplant parmesan sandwich was just, was just heaven. I remember in high school, on those days when I would bring my, my uh, <laughs> eggplant parmesan sandwich on Maroni's bread, my cousin Joe was so envious. Uh, I, I just uh, and I drooled all. I just couldn't wait for lunch because I was thinking about it. And it was cold and, and cold eggplant parmesan is is great. It's, it's fantastic. And my mother made the best eggplant parmesan, and she taught me how to do it. And I make it pretty good myself, actually, if I do say so. Now let's. Uh, where were we? We were in the Lattagine. We're going to come out of the Lattagine. Still have the smell of provolone in my nostrils. And next door was the fish store. Now I don't, it had a name. Something Totono. I don't know what it was, but. It, it was the fish store. That's what we called it. But And it was where you got all your fish. It was a good selection of fish f- for the day, for the neighborhood. Uh, my mother would usually get flounder or, you know, uh, whiting. They're nothing, no, no lobsters or anything that expensive. Uh, your basic fish you can fry up. But I remember one aspect of the store, which I wound up actually incorporating in one of my Rupert Starbright books. There was a tiled wall on opposite the counter. And it was a, a seascape. It was a really beautifully done mural of all kinds of sea life. There were sharks and there were, uh, you know, stingrays and there were lobsters crawling on the ground. But I remember the main focus was this giant octopus. And it kind of scared me as a kid. It was creepy. It was kind of cool, though. And as I mentioned, I used that mural with the octopus in, in one of my Rupert Starbright books and the... Uh, the Ghost of Winter Joy, if you're interested in reading it. And there, there's a, a fish store with a mural, and there's an octopus, and, but the octopus comes to life and comes out of the wall, out of the mural in the story. I don't think it did that in, on East, in East Hall. It may have. I, I don't remember. Anyway, uh, so the fish store. Yeah, that's the fish store. And we're going to come on out now. Let's see. Across the street, this might be one of the last things we're going to mention, uh, was Coppola's, was it Coppola? I think we called it Coppola back then, before we knew about Francis Ford Coppola. But it was a pizza, another pizza place in the neighborhood. I thought was was a very good one, although I didn't go to it very often because it was sort of off my beaten path. It was 115 on 16. Uh, actually, it was 115 on 14. And uh, it, but it was a good, very good pizza, real good New York New York pizza. Uh, anyway, I think we're gonna we're gonna end it here because if you go down one more block, we're gonna hit Jefferson Park, which I could do a whole, I should do a whole episode on Jefferson Park. Uh, in fact, that's a good idea. I think I'm gonna do that. But we're going to end this tour, walking to here, right here, on 115 and 1st. Back in the day, back where I am right now, 1970s, there's a lot of wise guys in this neighborhood. And uh, many of the places we passed, where they hung out. So, uh, anyway, so I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, I'll do more of these in the future. We'll walk off in different directions. Uh, And now, and and please, 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 if if I need to get on bended knee, can you please... uh, rate this podcast you could do it right on your phone just give it a couple of stars you know five stars is great but if you know whatever i'll leave that to you and or if you want to write a review i know some of you people listen every i know some of you listen every episode there's one in germany by the way and i'm very curious about who my german fan is but he, he or she is a is a loyal listener uh so i would hope that maybe you take a moment to write a review uh would be fantastic it would really help me out a lot 
Uh, don't have enough. I need more, more reviews, more ratings. You know, it just helps spread the word. So anyway, thank you for listening, so listening in on this little tour of East Harlem in the 1970s. We'll do it again. And uh, until then, be well. This has been The Stoops of Atlantis with Mikey D. Stay tuned for future episodes as we journey back to that ancient mythical land that actually existed, East Harlem. And please join the Stoops of Atlantis Facebook page, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe on YouTube or iTunes. See you next time.